Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Escape Room Pubisode. This week you join us as we discuss my litany of puzzle design screw-ups from last week's Desert of Wii puzzle. And then we continue in that vein with a discussion of modern economics and the fallacy of capitalism. And then finally, we move on to something actually cheerful that you actually talk about in a pub. Jamie's adorable family escape room moment and some top-class podcast recommendations from the gang. Okay, so we are all at the Golden Draft, the only pub in the north (laughs) where all of the urinals pump straight back through to the bar. And I am Mike Collins, and I'm drinking rather delicious um, Glen Carnock um, smoky PT whiskey. Um, I'm Anakos, and I am drinking some delicious tap water, which, if you believe Olaf from Frozen, has already passed through at least three or four um, other creatures before coming to me in its current mm. form as water. That means you can absorb their power, surely. That is correct. I have the strength of an oxen and the wit of a Tweety bird. <laughs> oh no, X as it's called. And the survivability of a ringworm. <laughs> In a brain. In a brain. I saw that article. It's fucking horrendous. Oh, wow. And I'm Jamie, and uh, we are going to feature the return of a previous beer that uh, was one that John drank. It's. God help me. It's the Yorkshire Pudding Beer from. Uh, yes. My wife picked it up uh, yesterday for me. I'm like, this is going to be perfect. I'll have it for the recording. So, chucks away. Let's see his face. I can say. Okay. Is it perfect? Oh, it's not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) How far off? So it's it's Yorkshire pudding beer. However, those two things are very distinct and separate tastes. You drink it and you get beer, and then approximately five seconds later, you get Yorkshire pudding. So is it like Like the Yorkshire pudding that someone's poured beer into? Well, they sent us a video of how it's made because they found a tweet that I'd written about it and they showed us. They just literally dumped. Jamie, no, 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 no. That's not correct characterization. (laughs) They did not find a tweet by accident. You tweeted them. I promise I didn't tag them. I just typed in the words. Because I savaged their beer in our episode. (laughs) And they sent us a video. They literally dump dozens of Yorkshire puddings into the beer mash when they're making the thing. That's got to be promotional bullshit surely there's no way it says on the front made with real yorkshire puddings i mean this is the second time they've been on this podcast so maybe that's referring to the people who who work in brewery (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) wow I mean, to be fair, Josh, we, somebody, somebody's not getting aspersions on their lineage and wives. <laughs> it's uh, it's like Dom's wives getting a brown well. paper bag with the crushed Yorkshire pudding through the door as a threat. <laughs> that's not a threat. That's, that's got to be you. <laughs> You're um, in pudding town. They make, I know there's some kind of company that makes beer with old bread, with stale bread. So, mm. you know, why not extend yeah, that into and, Yorkshire Andrew pudding? Andrew knows the guy who owns that. Toast, yeah. Because Yorkshire pudding shouldn't be allowed to go stale because it's delicious and should be consumed mm. immediately. You shouldn't have mm. to do the Yorkshire 100%. pudding. 100%. To, to do that. I mean, 100%. good quality bread, same. No one wants mm. to admit it, but Yorkshire puddings are filler. Get Ooh, out. Fuck off. Right. Can we kick Dom out of the podcast? Is that allowed? It's <laughs> 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 so a removal of it, it turns out it's, that this is a lie. Bread's <laughs> less absorbable than <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Not the Yorkshire puddings. 
Uh, and I'm Dom, and I am drinking Hobgoblin Gold. Oh, uh, classic, classic. It looks perfect and pairing. it's named after Wee Wee, but it's uh, delicious and light. Just like a, um, wee wee. A, well de- a well-hydrated Wee Wee. <laughs> yeah, the, the other golden ale. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm John, and I just can't help but remember that last time we are in the pub, Dom was drinking mead, held it up, and I said to him, and I quote, if that were a urine sample, there would be cause for concern. And yet, a week, two weeks later, we have cycled back to that exact same issue again. Is that where Mikey got the inspiration the from? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I am drinking a ginger beer, but it's what you might call a slightly alcoholic ginger beer. It's another Aldi special, and it's 2.8%. And I wondered if it would be like just enough to give me a buzz, but not enough that I start um, slurring. And it's nice. It's got a bit of extra tang. Mm. To clarify, by slurring, you mean... Slurring more. Becoming less articulate, not um, denigrating certain peoples. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to do that too. <laughs> the alcohol stops that. <laughs> the North has had it too good for too long, eh, John? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I spent the entire last weekend in Bolton, and the North has not had it too good for too long, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> so let's debrief the puzzle from last week for the listeners and just a few moments ago for us there are spoilers ahead if you have not yet listened do please listen and if you can make the mental leaps required um do please write in if you find it blisteringly I'm just playing easy, my tiny violin if you find it blisteringly easy please let me know uh, and i'll frame whatever you say um and then i'll Live Enjoy off it. of that so for the rest Mike, of your life. Mike, for Christmas, I'll die for Christmas you're getting an empty frame. <laughs> oh, I am, yeah. Empty frame. <laughs> That's what you're Rather getting. than somebody, anybody telling me, oh, yeah, it was actually really easy. And here it is printed on a plate so you can literally dine off it. Um, but no. So, last week, the puzzle, you were trapped in the desert in a sort of plane clash scenario, clash, crash scenario. Uh, something you might recognise if you've ever done any kind of team building activities or anything like that as, as something of a classic plane cl- crash scenario. It's one of these ones that's used with these exact items for a lot mm-hmm. of kind of team activities. Idea being you give a team the, the scenario and you give them between 10 and 15 minutes uh, and ask them to rank all of the items. So not just the top five, you ask them to rank all of the items in that exact scenario. And then... There's not a 100% right answer, but it's basically kind of like a weighted score, which you can give for a correct and incorrect. But what you're really doing, actually, is you're trying to get a group of people to communicate and discuss the various merits of things. And you're actually trying to observe, like, you know, is there one person that dominates or do people naturally set up kind of like a way of uh, voting or of organizing They call things? him the dominant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just appalled that you've, you've made us part of your dumb, social dumb. experiment. Like, this is... This is terrible. This is unethical. Why, why take one of the worst things that exist in Western society and submit your friends to it for a podcast? Mm. Are you, are you going to do the one next week where we get to electrocute each other to see how far we'll go? Oh, God. You... <laughs> They've all been debunked now anyway. Pretty much. Uh, so the um, cosmetic mirror being at number one, for example, um, 80% chance of being spotted and rescued. Basically, if you've got something to do signaling with and a mirror gives you during daylight like the highest kind of potential candle power uh, for that so it's kind of it's the idea is it's sort of based on kind of like data and thinking and the whole thing about you know the desert being your number one priority is being seen and found because you're more likely to be rescued than you are to to actually be able to walk your way out of the desert uh, and then preserving water because dehydration is basically going to be the quickest thing to kill you it's going to be the the heat and the fun fun side fact 
Um, a lot of people are found dead in the desert dehydration with full water canteens. Oh, oh because they're trying to because save they it. Be because they're trying to save water so much that they collapse and fall unconscious with plenty of water still. Oh, there. that's crazy. So the trick is to wait until your friends do that and then hoard it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah. hold Fucking on, <laughs> shouldn't we be saving that? <laughs> and then within like a couple of days, you've got six people's worth of water to get out of the desert. Yeah. So you can neck three and then still still ration the rest off. Exactly. I think the point, so, though, was that you've got one litre because you can recycle it infinitely, as Bear Grylls does constantly with his plastic raincoat. So and his you'd have to recycle other people. Yeah, you'd have to not only wait until they so, drop down unconscious, but then also somehow siphon off their urine if they have any left. Well, no, if you wait till they die, most people void anyway. So. Sure. <laughs> as long as you're ready with so a yeah, Just be yeah. there ready to catch it and you're good. Yeah. And then you can lick well, not so much the death rattle as the death shake. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the, that's the kind of scenario it is. The idea is it's sort of it's one of those ones where you ideally get a team and you get them to kind of debate the variative merits, and then they present a the thing, and then you tell them whether or not they'd have survived. Essentially, so that's on me. But anyway, you get to the poem, and you're looking at the it is or sorry the itis or the it is the it is gaming, yeah. and you look at the uh, the riddle. I can appear as truth or lies, wear a mask and clever disguise. I'm not real, the way I may seem. A shadow of truth or a deceptive dream. Um, the answer to that, and there could have been several answers, but anything along the lines of fake, it is fake. If you had basically declared it's fake, you would have won. You'd have confronted, uh, well, basically, uh, yes, a Bear would have gone, fuck's sake, cut, uh, thrown his cup of piss to the floor in disgust. And then half a dozen camera people and sound guys would have emerged from the sand and wreckage uh, and started playing with their phones. Because um, yeah, Bear Grylls famously has... Um, stooges. Faked a lot of shit. But not really? really. The piss, though, he's always... It's always actually his piss. <laughs> it's, it's about the piss, mostly. It's mostly... Basically, <laughs> it's just he, goes the the, he goes to the television bosses and he's like, guys, I need to drink a lot of piss for reasons to do with my love of piss can There's you pay me some money to do this professionally <laughs> oh my goodness um, so yeah if you'd said oh it's fake then the ending you would have got is oh for fuck's oh, sorry oh, that's not his accent oh for fuck's sake what Bear throws his cup of piss to the ground in disgust half a dozen camera people and sound guys emerge from the sand of the wreckage and start playing with their phones you bloody assholes! this was supposed to be a 12 pound Netflix special oh where's my feckin trailer and then a, a massive motorhome would emerge from a nearby cactus fuck this I'm having some kangaroo placenta a frustrated looking director who up until now had been looking remarkably like a burnt mangled corpse that would then approach you uh, look we'll need you to sign some release forms but do you want to get something to eat just just behind the wreck where you see actually what looks a little bit like a McDonald's. In fact, it looks just like the one off of Junction 11 of the M1, with a large set of curtains coming down around you to reveal you have in fact been in a sand-covered car park in Luton. Oh God, you're in Luton. I was going to say, that's, and that that's, a, been... that's a worse ending, I think. Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't have felt like so, a win. <laughs> certain death of Luton. Um, so when we're there going, hmm, Mirage, and you're nodding furiously... The answer was if it just it's because uh, like one person said not real. I'm like just say it is not real or it's not real or it's fake or just something. Uh, Somebody give me the thing I need. I was I think, so aching uh, close. So close. I was. But again, it's puzzle design. It's that was multiple slightly fuzzy potential answers to that. I could have just given it to you. The the it is fake, and you're on. It is fake. Solved. Satisfying solution. It was just one level of obfuscation. To I much. 
Okay, so I wonder. That, I mean, the poem's nice. It is quite nice. But is is it there is this the sandwich anything... of feedback with the turn? <laughs> there, there, there isn't anything else. But there isn't anything else in the setup, apart from Bear Grylls' very fake act, <laughs> to make us think that this might not be real. And it would be lovely mm. to have had a couple of bits of flavour earlier on. Mm. That, that seem off. Yeah, like yeah. a little glitch in the Matrix. Or... It's, it's not a reveal. Yeah, thing, exactly. Mm. I suppose the, the challenge we've got for the past five years is that the suspension of disbelief that we've been in every cockamamie scenario uh, imaginable. Yeah. So there's not... There's, there's, we've, been yeah. in, we've been in the gullet of a demonic rabbit twice. There's nothing for us <laughs> to think that it might not be real. We're sort yeah. of trained to believe yeah. it. Yeah, you're that. right. I needed some signposting. Yeah, mm. I just... I felt like basically I was really chuffed for myself because like okay the core of this like for me is going to be you guys talking about what the most important items are and everything else is just going to be kind of like little bits to kind of get you towards a a resolution with it and it will be fake so- that'll be the the thing and the connecting tissue just wasn't well connected enough and I'm miffed because it's my last proper puzzle Aww. I think it's the perfect end. Only for the next 18 years, Michael. You'll be back. <laughs> Wizened. So I have a question, Michael. Um, given that we were basically doing a, a, a team-building exercise there without knowing it, mm. which is the ultimate objective of a team-building exercise, because otherwise, if everyone knows it's a team-building exercise, then they're on their bestest mm-hmm. behavior. So why do I hate these people uh, more than when I started? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's why. But um, how did we do? Okay, so it was interesting. You did, as a group, you did the consensus thing pretty well. You did mm. fall prey to the one person says something palpably not true, and then everybody going, okay, this is now part of my objective reality. So I want to say John at one point. Oh, no. <laughs> that tracks. I think, yeah, that tracks. Well, I, th- I, th- I, th- I, think you, I think you'd all decided at one point, for example, that the parachute was one of the items. And John, you said it out loud at one point that you were like, okay, so the parachute's in the top five, and you'd... You basically kind of like decided amongst yourselves that the initial five items you got were the correct five for the top five. Yeah, because I didn't think that I thought you'd say that's not in the top five rather than saying it's been lower. All right, it seems like that would be a ridiculous thing to try and lug around a desert, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it, I guess the relative usefulness of the items depends entirely on what you want to do. And we're not like, okay, we need to walk out of the desert or we need to signal for help or we need to camp here and survive. It wasn't actually very clear what activity, what survival strategy we had that we were trying to fit these items around. Mm. If, the, if the survival strategy is to so, defend yourself from raiders, then the knife and the gun suddenly become... If it was just us, then I'd be like, right, hunker down here, signalling, conserving water. But Bear Grylls was mm. taking us on an expedition, and that mm. did muddy it a bit for me. So I agree with John that I wasn't sure what we were going to be doing, and therefore mm. what we needed. No, okay, that's fair, mm. so- Again, with the, I mean, obviously, these escape rooms are very much a, a case of suspend all disbelief. But the fact that we had Grills, who is, you know, a survival expert, who wasn't giving us any tips on the survival, just really irked me. Um, I would have almost preferred if it had just been like a list with the items and then like a note at the top saying, if you want to survive in the desert, pick your top five. And then you just guiding us through, oh, no, that's wrong. Or you've got that one. Yeah, but Onikos, 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 you sweet summer child. That would mean Mike didn't get to a silly voice. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking, yeah. No, I know, no I realised that's a flaw. But it was good fun, though. Yeah. No, it's true. Well, that's the thing. You know, you've, put your, you've put your finger correctly on one of my other, on, uh, genuinely one of my early tier episode hates, which is why I think I 
basically banned NPCs for a while, which is exactly mm. that. It's the the NPC who doesn't behave like an NPC. Mm. It's the NPC who's like, I'm weirdly a robot in this very specific way. And mm. oh God, are you interacting with me? And this isn't, yeah. So mm. basically every element of this was slightly wobblier than I thought, which I'm cheesed off with because I thought I'd really worked out the logic of this. I mean, now that we know that it, that the solution was <clears throat> it's all fake... I'm I'm now thinking, was that you being incredibly clever, giving Bear Grylls a very different accent and pretending that you mm. didn't know what he <laughs> Dom is shaking his head. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Do not give him that. <laughs> like, so before we move on to not the dissection of my fuck-up, <laughs> of my sadness of a room, any it's, other... It's our loss, not yours. Technically, you beat us. <laughs> No, no, it's not. It's no, no, no. We are supposed. I'm supposed to facilitate a good game. You should come out of this feeling challenged. Enough of your team building bullshit. I'm here to drink and win, <laughs> and not necessarily in that order. <laughs> this is definitely not it. Any other like last uh, thoughts or questions, or shall I move us on? Just I enjoyed. I just wanted to say I really enjoyed the sort of mastermind element mm. of figuring out the order of the items. Once we realised that we had to get them in the specific order. But I was expecting, um, you know, we get the order right and something magically pops up out of the sand, you know, like a or a, a key mm. appears mm. in the air or or a cactus turns around and is a, I don't know. Yeah, there's something slightly cruel door. about the order only being relevant for one of the mm. items. Because once we'd done it, we sort of, I think we all hung on to that in our heads. Mm. Like, okay, we've mm. got these things now that we can do something And then with. nothing and actually, specifically totally happened. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I thought I thought once we had the order, Bear was going to take us out into the into the desert, and then the order would become relevant to our quest, or we'd have to we'd have like five challenges that we had to, you know, use one item for specifically and find a creative yeah. way to use said item. Yeah. Um, the poem, I like the poem. Um, I like a, I like a riddle, but there's something very cruel about it because it 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 leads to. All four, all four of us sort of sitting there with our, with our little brain, individually trying to crack this thing, and without any sort of real process. It's one of those, one of those challenges where you either suddenly spot it or you never will. I think that's like a symptom um, of in the escape room is to putting a riddle in into an escape room will either be you steamroll it because you know the answer, or mm. you'll it'll just be a complete dead stop. But there's an escape room I went to a couple of years ago where the final answer, the final puzzle were three riddles and they were riddles i'd seen before so it was oh bam 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 so you just it became smashed a pub quiz to finish an escape room which mm. left mm. sort of a sour taste if you'd known it was a four letter word again that probably would have been enough yeah yeah that's sort yeah. of thing would have helped mm. signposting like, again if it had been an acrostic is it an acrostic where the first letter of each line yeah that's the first yeah, that would have worked yeah see i, I was mm. looking for that sort of thing but then you said it's yeah it's but just we, a riddle we'd have smashed that yeah 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 it, we we were all hunting through that, looking for yeah. letters to and, pick and, and it wasn't supposed standard. to be hard. That was that was the thing. It wasn't supposed to be hard. It was supposed to be your aha yeah. moment. It was supposed to be your moment of aha. This is it. I think uh, that's the yeah. challenge with with riddles in general. I think in these kinds of scenarios mm. is that you, it's almost impossible to find a logical path to solve that. It's either you get it or you don't. Like like John said, it's that you can't work it out. Mm. Mm, yeah. yeah, there's no difficulty setting. It's in, it's kind of instant win or or not quite instant, but it, you don't get better at understanding the riddle by reading it more and analysing mm. it more. Mm. 
generally. Oh, it's the quality of the red. I don't know as well. if I, I mean, quite agree. Because remember, I think the they remember can be the... solved by thinking. Oh. Like, if you think, you know, if you break the way I do it is I break down each clue, and you think about something that one clue, one of the lines could be, and then you could apply it to the next line and so forth. So you can work through it. it does it work? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Whenever I've seen a riddle work in an escape room, it's be it's when the riddle is an instruction on how to solve the puzzle, not when the riddle yeah. contains the solution mm. itself. Yeah. That's mm. usually when it's That's been most point. effective. Mm. Well, if you remember the Garden of Eden episode, uh, we had Ridliel, the angel, who had three very simple riddles, and you got them pretty quickly, and they were like pitched just right. So you were like, so it's- this time... <laughs> Oh boy, I'm gonna make it hard. Yeah, it's just, it was yeah, basically, yeah, basically. Okay, right. Listen, I'm very chuffed, Michael, because now you've joined me in the sun. Yeah, I get, I get my my first my first team fail. Aww. I'm gonna bear it with all of the sadness, and resignation, and I've got three. Just uh, basically acknowledging still the champion, John. I've screwed yep. up. I mean, just just having one of these is really acknowledging that I've fucked up. Like massively, just underthought a puzzle. Yeah, so imagine you know, doing that three times. I can't. I can't. I'd cry. Yeah, all right. <laughs> he's we, we he's already got okay, a child. If I'm the GM and we fail, it's my fault. If I'm the team, we fail, it's my fault. No, th- th- this one, this one is do very I, much my fault. I've, do I have a BMW outside or something? <laughs> right. Okay. I'm going to move us on. I'm going to move us on. So, yeah. Does it, has it, is anybody coming in hot? We saw some outdoor theatre today. A kids show in um a park like 90 minutes away and um it was it was yeah it was grand he said with a high pitched voice like the attitude like the attitude to to kids shows and kids stuff that really irks me and and irks um Sinead too in that the way that people often performing in it is in this slightly half-assed it doesn't matter it's just for Mm. kids type way like there'll be you know a, a solid production with choreographed sequences and the choreograph the choreography will just be sort of slightly woolly or slightly but is that not just, because just unrefined the reason they're performing for kids is because they they couldn't hack it performing for real people oh oh no. dom oh, <laughs> absolutely dom. not no no no, no. No, it no, may no, no, be no, 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 that no. there isn't a lot of money available, and that therefore better actors um, can't afford to do it at the at the rate that is paid, which would be one of my big bugbears as well. Um, and especially what with it being open air, they're generally speaking, from what I know of them, not a lot of them are paid particularly well, and so they tend to attract mm. more sort of younger. Um, younger actors who are straight out of drama school, or maybe who haven't even trained, but are just trying to sort of get their equity card by by taking part in productions. Also, because the budgets are very constrained, they tend not to spend as much time on rehearsal. I don't know what the script was like, John. I mean, it wasn't just that. Like they, the, the script, the script actually was really solid, mm. and like the songs were good and everything. Um, they had some terrible sound issues where their mics kept dropping in mm. and out um, for mm. reasons that are unknown. <laughs> uh, it, it was and it was very just quite irritating. But there was just uh, it's not it's not. I'm not even like bang on about. I feel like that happens every show because mm. you, you'd have been able to see on their faces if they were going, oh, fuck, my mic mm. keeps cutting out. Like looking at, you'd have been able to see them looking at each other with a sort of, uh-oh, we have a problem. Um, it's not just this particular show, but it's like kids, not even just kids theatre, but kids stuff generally. There's a, there's a slapdash quality that angers me 
because it's kind of the most important stuff, really. Yeah. From another angle, like it's the the same the same way that like teachers everyone goes oh yeah being a teacher is a those who can't good profession teach. but also if you yeah. if you can't mm, teach yeah. yeah like it's sort of taking the buzz out of it sort of if you're a teacher then there's i think there's definitely a ring of you've not gone very far yeah and it's sort of it permeates through everything and then we wonder why none of it works very well mm. and that's just a bit sad i thought i will say um, that all of my art teachers didn't leave art school going boy i'm gonna teach this they were all failed artists mm. so i mean i right now i'm coming in <laughs> um talk, talking about uh, creative industries in terms of failed this and failed that like you never heard somebody say i used to be an accountant also you're in a failed mm. accountant are you no it's only ever creative stuff where our metrics for success is household name or bust yeah. or just uh, making enough scripting. to pay the bills and therefore not having to, to pivot on your career most accountants yeah, make but, enough to pay the bills. They don't go, yeah, you know, I was getting some accountancy work, but overall, and I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm disagreeing with you, but I think that um, the climate in which you can make money in the arts is what the problem is. If you're an accountant, mm. you're almost definitely going to go in immediately salaried, and therefore you're going to make a living. Whereas that's less likely in the arts. There's almost no such thing as that. There is, that. but. Even That's so, enough. it's 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 likely to pay less than they should, and um, and you're more likely to be freelance. Hmm. I've heard it described as the uh, the vocation um, deduction before. In, yeah, it's one of those things where if you're hello nurses, good to good to see you too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's basically if you're doing something that people want to do because it's a a good thing to be doing mm. or a nice mm. or a fun thing to be doing, then kind of essentially from a market perspective, Goodbye, it nurses. should be yeah. reward in itself. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's a reward in itself. If anything, you should be paying us to clean up after yeah. the pensioners' shit, or to be performing this wonderful play for for young chidlings or something. So yeah, and I've I've, yeah. I've heard it done that way. And then people explain. Kind of, I was probably listening to Radio Four more or less or something, and they were explaining how basically it's like a market forces thing. But I think mm. it's also like a what you value in your society kind of thing. It's a Thatcherite thing, let's be honest. It's, yeah. it's right. yeah. Thatcher decided that, <laughs> it's very, it's that a capitalist what's thing. important and everything else isn't. Yeah, it's a very capitalist mm. thing, I think. Yeah. In that if done, it doesn't um, make money, it's not yeah. worthwhile. But culture does make mm. money. Culture yeah. and arts mm. I know. Yeah. make money. That's It's one of the most profitable things in terms of real money and in terms of things that actually matter in life, like personal mm. growth and expanding your interests and your mind and so forth. Yeah, but it doesn't make money now. No, because they've made like, sure especially it in Especially in education, it, does, it doesn't make money now. It makes money in a sort of fuzzy way later, which is quite difficult to measure. Mm. And that's... And that's that's really hard to sell to people yeah. who work in. I suppose this is the the catalyst for the the writers' strike in the US and the Screen Actors Guild mm, strikes. Yeah, <laughs> just completely undervalued to the point where you go, you know what? Fuck you. We'll we'll see yeah. what happens when mm. you don't have access to that. Mm. Say goodbye to all. Yeah, the whole what they were trying to do was just replace them entirely with AI until it yeah. turned out that uh, <laughs> under US law, AI written scripts aren't copyrighted, Can't be copyrighted. Yeah. which means no money. Oh. So then they were like, oh, shit. we'll hire one guy to be a script consultant. And it's like, if any, if a single person is enough of a scab to do mm. that, I hope they're hunted down and thrown out of a high building. <laughs> I did not know that's what went down. Yeah. Yeah. 
Was that the reason? Not just not just for the writing, but no, that's, also that's because of the strikes that they've been trying to do that. Mm. Oh, good luck but, with that. I mean, you've probably seen. I mean, actually, yeah, John Alicos as as actors, you've probably seen this. But they're talking about is this the extras thing. Yeah, digitizing extras. Yeah, so yeah. You, you film an extra mm. once, and then you AI gen them in every other scene you ever need. Likeness so you to get crazy. Their uh, just their likeness. Oh my god! Yeah, it's appalling. I mean, it's appalling, but it's also only one step further than the stuff we already sign over in contracts as standard, like every job. Like you always sign over in perpetuity all rights mm. to this material as as a matter of course. So I guess for the dead inside folks running this whole <laughs> show, uh, it's only one step more to go, hmm, how about we ask them to sign away all rights to their likeness? Can they don't read the T's and C's. Let's try it. Let's well, I mean, it. we've had it's it's you know it's not even just extras. Like we've had um, hmm. Peter Cushing's likeness. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, kind oh, of. We shouldn't but, have. We should. You know, have. there he is on screen. Um, Albert Einstein is hmm. is is hawking uh, what is it Eon Energy or something like that. Oh, yeah, what? Uh, did you not know no. that? Oh. Yeah, there's like there there are ads um, for some kind of energy or is it for smart meters or something? Oh my god! And it's Albert Einstein and he goes around people's houses or something. I don't know. He he's in various scenarios and he goes, yeah. Did you know that you could really save money with a smart meter? Um, yeah. And they have Audrey Hepburn. Thing is they, yeah, Audrey yeah, Hepburn in the it, you, was it Galaxy? With, yeah. The people at a certain, Galaxy, yeah. certain age they're almost seen as stock characters, but it's like mm. no, yeah. this is mm. these are real people who you are just basically resurrecting to hawk your products. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like capitalism is soulless and terrible. <laughs> is this the first time you're realising this? <laughs> there's there's a reason they call it the dead hand of capitalism. <laughs> reading a really good book called uh, Moneyland, which you might have heard of before. It's uh, Moneyland by um, Oliver Bullo. Mm -hmm. uh, why thieves and crooks now rule the world and how to take it back. But it's really interesting kind of uh, dissection of kind of how we've gotten to where we are with money-driven decisions leading to kind of just sort of baseline evil and corruption mm -hmm. around the world. But it's this really interesting thing where it's not just one person who goes, ah, I will be evil today in a for in a generically foreign accent. <laughs> sure. Um, Pan wonders. Not, not Pan European. Not provably German. Sort of vibe. Yeah, kind of... Could be Austrian. Sort of... <laughs> Austrian. Ah, evil to Wait, Swiss would work. Could you do a Swiss accent? <laughs> Hello, I'm Swiss. No, no, a Swiss accent is just a German just accent. Just do Northern. It's easier. Depends. Most countries depends. Have depends. I hope I'm going to be re-evil today. Go. <laughs> piss. Damn it. My joke was good. Both Swiss listeners are laughing. <laughs> the Swissners. Um, but, Hello, Hansel and Gretel. But yeah, there's essentially kind of like a, a chain of... Wait, Hansel and Gretel were German. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. <laughs> there's kind of like there's a chain of people, basically all the way down to to you and me, who are for their own very non-evil reasons just trying to be good at their jobs. And when your job is a tiny part of a little machine, and going, okay, if I do a thing, and then some, basically, it goes up and up and up and up the chain, and just things get progressively more evil. But the With people the at the top of... aren't just doing their job; they are being evil. There are some really, there's some perverse incentives that act on them as well. Because the people at the top, so say it's CEOs, they're they're responsible to the board, which is responsible to the um, not responsible. They they report to the board, which reports to the shareholders, and that's fine as long as the shareholders and the customers, you know, have some crossover. But if they don't, it all gets weird. Mm. Plea for for more reading. Refer to our water companies. Like why why weren't they being punished by the shareholders for being bad at their job? Because their shareholders weren't the customers. Because the shareholders just want the, the money. Shareholders were unrelated. Yeah. yeah. Well, the whole idea behind it was that we would all be shareholders. 
I believe that was genuinely the idea that everyone would just sort of have shares in in various companies and and the companies would have interested parties making sure they're run well and would be punished for being run poorly but it's just not but then in that, that way, way every single kingdom would become I'm sorry every sorry every company would become some sort of socialist kingdom where oh you know everyone has a stake but at the same time there would still be the kings at the top getting rich off of everybody so this this is interesting so um the 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 ratio of that corporate spend <laughs> <laughs> the ratio of corporate spend um between um wages and dividends since the 70s has like done done this basically gone from one extreme to the other so we've gone from paying companies pay out most of their expenses in wages to their staff to now paying much more in dividends out to their shareholders and less and less to wages to their staff which is why suddenly more and more people are being paid when it's basically minimum wage for doing more and more skilled mm. jobs because the money's got to keep going to the shareholders somehow mm. uh, and have a load of people who aren't doing anything getting paid for not doing anything which explains how we it's can the natural like conclusion of capitalism can okay i'm gonna we could probably go around this rabbit hole for a long time <laughs> i noticed that jamie and anacos have both gone Sorry. quite quiet Sorry. I'm just um, thinking about the CEO of, I think it was Coca-Cola, who, um, I, no, I, I saw her quoted <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a magazine or something, in an article saying, oh, well, I've never asked for a pay raise. That would just be beneath me. Something along those lines. And then it was like, yeah, but she's earning 32 million a year. So why the fuck would mm. she need a pay raise? It's the people who are working and that's for not $2, bonuses. whatever. Exactly. And, and, they don't and even the bonuses, bonuses and, and the pay, shares and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then you're like, well, but of course you don't need to ask for a freaking pay rise if you're earning 32 fucking million a year. It's it's when you are... It's when you're struggling to feed and house and clothe yourself and your family that you fucking need a pay rise and that you need to be paid something that is an actual actual living wage rather than a, a, a pittance which would lead anybody to do weird and odd things to just to try and keep themselves alive speaking of which subscribe to our only fans <laughs> we uh we do we do features <laughs> and all sorts did you hear only one foot pick? Oh, that's Jamie, and that's the one. Hey, you get top yeah. dollar so, for that shit, John. We want, we want to see There's a lot Clumpy. of people who, who pay, pay good money to see Clumpy. In his radioactive... <laughs> Unedited patrons, this is going to be an interesting edit. Not because I don't, uh, to be honest, find the course of the conversation interesting. I have, I have an interesting dilemma because I've currently got a pubisode which started on a low note and then goes on to a lower note. <laughs> I've got the high note. I've got the high note. I've got it sorted. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, have you got you a ready? high note? I've got... No, no, no. I've got, got a high note. I've got a high note. Did you hear about the guy? Um, who died. Who's a corporate boss in... No, corporate boss in America and he decided one day to pay everyone in his company the same wage, including himself. Yes. Every mm. single person that works for that company gets the same wage and it worked out at about $80,000. Um, and he expected this would cause a massive rebellion and a load of people would quit, but they didn't quit. And the company actually became quite successful. And a lot of its various HR issues kind of went away because everyone was a, a lot happier. Uh, and it turned out that people weren't that invested in their exact salary related to other people's salary if everyone was getting the same. Mm. <laughs> oh, the, well, play the national. <laughs> the international, that's it. <laughs> no, not that. Not officer of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs>
Somebody please save <laughs> yeah, somebody so please save me with something okay. slightly up. I, I I got a little something. I got a little something that happened yesterday. Yeah. Um I came home from from work particularly soulless day. And um You work in insurance. Yes, I don't do. You? Um so yeah. Oh, oh no no wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. I get home. Uh my, my son who's five is waiting at the door and he's he says, Dad, I've made I've made you an escape room. This is this is true, and he, he gets like this, um, like a belt from a from a toweling robe, and blindfolds me, leads me around to different rooms oh. of the house, and he goes, "Take the blindfold off now," and it's like like little challenges in each room. So the first one was like, you have to fill this cardboard box full of toys, but not too full, or you'll fail, and that to get some things from the living room. And then the second one was that you have to mix the hot and the cold water to make mild water. He was the judge of how mild it was, obviously. <laughs> and I'd go room by room, and I'd have to do, like, reorganize the fridge magnets and find, like, something he'd hidden in the garden um, and, like, take a photo of something in the attic for him. Like, he'd watch, like, a one episode of Crystal Maze with me over the weekend. And, like, I've been I've, I've been trying to train him in escape rooms for a while, like, doing these little things. <laughs> but the fact that he did all that... You could send him into all the crawl spaces. That <laughs> knees can't have. You fully corrupted him. That's amazing. Yeah, and it was all like every. Are you going to be stealing any of his ideas? Or any of them? Uh, something you were like, oh, I could take that, mm. punch it up, there's a, there's put a, some swears in there, and it's ready for the podcast. There's, there's something involved in the number blocks, which I think some parents would get that I might slip in at some point in the near future. But yeah, uh, yep. it was all like, and there was there was and there was a Please story behind it. Every every challenge I did, I collected a gem that would then help to release a stuffed lion that was trapped. Under his wow. like the kid's five. Oh, and he's, and he's that is amazing. And he, and he was, That's okay. amazing. So he was so excited to show me around. I was like, yeah, biggest grin on my face the entire bloody time I was going around. He was amazing. Oh, we so have good. to have an episode hosted by Jamie's son. <laughs> yes, yeah, please. Guest on next week. Yeah, That'll, we can probably do a better economics room. with it. If, you, if, if, <laughs> if, if listeners want approximately 90 minutes of the word bum being repeated, pro- followed by lots of giggling, then that's perfect. <laughs> Wait, hold on. That, that's Mike. That is this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, substitute the word piss and you've actually got the episode. Thankful, I'm a very proud puzzling dad, which is great. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> Okay, I can see the barman isn't so much um, calling last orders as is um, rifling through the divorce paperwork, uh, <laughs> wondering why his wife left him um, as the milkman comes to do his delivery. <laughs> so before we head out into... In service to his capitalist... He must control the means. Wait, he's serving piss. He does control the means. <laughs> So uh, before we get to the light, can I get one podcast recommendation for everybody? Because I would like to recommend uh, Pod Save the UK, um, which is Anish Kumar and Coco Khan. Basically, if you if you enjoyed the previous possibly half hour, uh, then you'll love Pod Save the UK because uh, it's like that, but with jokes. Um, ah, what we all aspire to be. Uh, I've got an easy one to recommend, Dead Eyes. Oh, the Dead Tom Eyes Hanks is- one. Yes, Dead Eyes is an actor called Connor Ratliff, who 20 years ago was fired from a small role in the hit miniseries Band of Brothers by Tom Hanks for having dead eyes. And it's him, 20 years later, um, trying to find out why he, what that means, why he was fired, how that came about. He gets Seth Rogen on. He get Amy Mann is one of his mates. Like He gets a bunch of people on, a load of the SNL guys, 
like loads of people to come in and, and weigh in on this. He finds the guy who got his role. He talks to other guys who were in major roles in the series. He talks to the agent who took the call. Like he, I've not finished it yet. I'm hoping he gets to talk to Tom Hanks at the end. I don't ah. know. Uh, but that's the But the reason I recommend it is because it's a very, very, very rare glimpse into the world of casting that me and Onikos get to suffer mm. through and all of its weird little mechanisms and what's expected and the various the various just strange normalities that we we live with that are actually weird as hell uh, and like a sort of strange cult. So I heartily recommend Dead Eye. Listen to that. Sounds great. Nice. Um, one that I've been listening to recently, as you might expect, it's it's a Welsh one. Uh, it's a podcast called Tales for Wales. So it's uh, two two local boys, lovely chaps, um, who go through each episode is a different aspect of Welsh history, Welsh mythology, um, going back way into like medi- the medieval period, Welsh folk heroes, that kind of thing. But they've got really good banter between the two of them. You can tell that they're, they're really good mates. And it's just nice to re- listen to a history podcast where it's two people interacting with each other to present that topic rather than just one posh sounding dickhead talking into a microphone for 40 minutes. Oi. Uh, <laughs> John's like, I resemble that. <laughs> I resemble that remark. And then one that I've not heard, but I've, I've heard the title and it's very much intrigued me is a true crime style podcast called who shat on the floor at my wedding. Um, <laughs> oh, I've heard about that. Which is um, uh, a, uh-huh, a, note that. a couple who got married on a boat, and some mysterious person, either from the guest or from the staff, shat on the floor of the boat at their wedding. It's a classic. It's a locked room. Oh my god, the picture! The picture. <laughs> it's a locked room mystery right, because that. it's on a boat. There's only a certain number of people it could be. Get Jonathan Creek in there. So, and I'm, I think it's like, it's only like a 13 part <laughs> series. I think it's it's done now. So you, they. Oh, Hopefully they figure it out, um, but that's one that's going to be on my my to listen list very soon. <laughs> and the, you know how they, with every episode of a podcast, there's a sort of like a subtitle. You know, in this episode, blah 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 blah. blah every single subtitle is who <laughs> shat on the floor at my wedding, who shat on the floor at my wedding. Oh, no, 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 no. But so, does he ever find out? Well, I I hope that I hope, I think they do. Given that it, you don't know yet, mm. there there is an episode like it's a thirteen part series thing, and the episode the last episode is called the finale. So I'm assuming that it's the, the mystery is either solved or twist could have been that it was him, <laughs> and he just doesn't remember it. Yes. That would be the full yeah, like, the video circle, was, wouldn't it? Yeah. Dom? Therapy Gecko. Hmm. It's, uh, it's uh, a guy who, I don't know if he still lives in his mother's basement, but definitely lived in his mother's basement when, it, when the podcast started. He's called Lyle. He dresses hmm. up as a lizard. He paints his face green. And uh, I think he's from like Ohio. And he has people call in. Uh, he's not remotely um qualified as a therapist which he does make clear but he has people call in with their problems and he just discusses it with them and as the therapy that's gecko. therapy gecko um <laughs> yeah it's uh it's, okay. it's, it's oddly cathartic and if you think you have any problems or complications in your life listen to a few episodes and you'll realize that your life is just so delightfully Pretty simple good. and easy compared to the <laughs> <of people. laughs> 
Uh, is this is this the right time to say I don't actually listen to podcasts very much? It's not how my brain. Who lets her in? You can recommend um, this one. Yeah, I know. Or I, not? I, I guess. Don't worry, The, the I podcast listen that to I've listened to the most by far is the Infinite Escape Room. Um, <laughs> Tell it to me. Ragtag. Um, ragamuffins who are you calling ragtag? Uh, get together remotely and solve puzzles that they set for each other um sometimes they're very slapdash i've heard neil patrick harris say <laughs> that there's an improvisational quality to it um i think he was being really nice when he said that yeah it's definitely he definitely hit the nail on the head there from my experience with uh, <laughs> with being a, a guest on oh, the podcast twist um, the knife on a coast <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. He's um, already I know. <laughs> um, but uh, the the other podcasts that which I I prefer to read than to listen, or it works better for my brain if I'm trying to learn something. And that would mm. be the Unruffled podcast by Janet Lansbury. Which, uh, if you have a child between the ages of zero and five. Um, and you want to do sort of what's called respectful parenting or sort of gentle parenting kind of thing where you're acknowledging that the child, uh, although it is, its brain is not as formed as your brain is yet, um, it does have emotions and its emotions are valid um, and sort of how to navigate those emotions. Even when even, they're not. Even when they're not, in your view, uh, valid. And so sort of how to, how to navigate situations um, in a gentle way that gives the child space to feel. Janet Lansbury's yeah. very good. Cool. She had books for I've just sent that to Laura. Yeah. Well, yes, that sounds pretty it's, good. It's a good one to have because she, um, as I say, it's it's literally from birth to teenage slash adult years. Um, I'll bring this up then. And one final recommendation, a podcast that has had a real, really big impact on me, actually. And... I thought was really special. The End of the World with Josh Clark. Uh, and it's about all the various, um, it's about the Fermi paradox, which is basically the, the grand question of why aren't there aliens out there? Because the universe is really old and radio waves go a long way and we should be hearing from them. And yet there's no one there. That's kind of weird, which is vaguely linked to Oppenheimer. Anyway, but it's about that. And it's about all the, the idea that um, the great filter is probably right in front of us and that is the great challenge that humanity will face uh to survive into the future and the various ways various forms that challenge might take like nanotechnology or surviving atomic weapons or superbugs and all sorts of things like that and the various ways in which um the world might end and how actually that's not necessarily a very sad thing <laughs> oh, really right thing. Up i mean the the good thing is for us to accept it and uh, go out with a song. Take us out, Mike. Da, da, da. The listeners can't see it, but he is actually dancing the You have been listening to the Infinite Dancing. Oh no. Have we broke Mike? Um, <laughs> damage on we're on a high <laughs> I know I had to just edit it, it out just cut it, it out a thruple of misery <laughs> well that's it from us then we should piss off is the barman tonight. dead the bar. The bar, we look over at the barman and he is a pilot hanging dust, from the ceiling dust for, surrounded by rat skeletons the rats have long since eaten him and have themselves died 
we look at ourselves let's wander out into the night and listeners thank you so much for listening <laughs> we love you lots and we'll see you next time on the infinite escape room Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye now. See you in six months, Mike.